Hello, this is Champ 180, and I'm your host, your helper and friend, Adam Childress. If you're listening and expecting a kumbaya session on what you want to hear, this may not be the show for you. We are committed to encouraging and developing champion-like individuals who desire to learn, grow, improve in the five core areas of champ. I'm real, transparent, and say what's on my mind with no fluff or puff. So listen up, because today is your day. Stay tuned. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Champ 180. Today we will be discussing right living, but this time it's within children's books. I have with me a special guest, one that I've known for six years, Carl Pollock. Carl is an author and a small business owner. He has worked a corporate career with Hilton Hotels and Hewlett Packard. He is a native of the Northwest. He has attended both undergraduate and graduate school at the Idaho State University. Him and his wife have been married for 30 years and have raised three wonderful sons and last year welcomed a daughter-in-law to their family. They have lived across the U.S., including Seattle, Boston, Dallas, and Boise, Idaho. With degrees in zoology and English literature, Carl has always had an interest in the science and the arts. When his boys were young, they spent many happy days exploring the outdoors from the mountains of Idaho to the Gulf of Mexico. In his family, the importance of reading and learning were stressed to their children. Carl and his wife believe that reading together and reading alone helps reinforce morals and family values parents can teach their children. His boys were always excited when dad would tell them stories, so it was only natural that Carl developed those stories into children's books. Over the past two years, he has published four children's books, three Rocco the Pelican books and one King Clovis book. His next title, a King Clovis Christmas themed book, is planned for release by Thanksgiving. Carl, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's a joy to have you on Champ 180 Podcast. I really appreciate your time. Uh, you're welcome, Adam. I uh, appreciate you inviting me, and I look forward to talking with you. Oh, it's going to be great. So um, we're going to start off with this uh, question here for you. So, uh, Carl, can you elaborate a little more about yourself, how you became an author, when it started, and what gave you this desire? I've always done writing in high school. Um, we had a, an advanced English class where the students submitted stories and poems, and, and I participated in that, and I had several of my poems in, in that publication. And uh, I received some positive feedback from, the, from my friends and, and the teacher as well. And I always enjoyed writing, not only putting my ideas uh, down into paper, but also, you know, trying to to either find a a message or maybe you know something humorous. I'm, you know, I enjoy humor um, and I enjoy making people smile, making them laugh. So if I could find a, a way to bring that out in my writing, and and I carried that into college, uh, where um, I I honed my my writing skills. Um, and, and even though my undergraduate degree is in science, um, I also received a, a lot of positive feedback from several professors. And the, the dean of the English college at Idaho State University uh, was just visiting with me one day and suggested that uh, I pursue writing as a career. My first job out of college was a I was a technical writer. Um, I was uh, kind of an entry level a writer for a company that supported uh, pharmaceutical product documentation. So it was very dry, uh, nothing humorous about it, um, but but very important. It was 
uh, as, as I soon learned, I was excited to have a, a job, first of all, out of college. But as I soon learned, the, the, the documents, the, the, the writing, the, the manuscripts we were creating uh, served a purpose. Um, they helped right. doctors. And I learned they had a purpose. They not only helped the physicians, but also the pharmaceutical reps to, to show the benefits of the, of the various drugs and how they would help patients. And from there, I, my career went a little bit different path. But once, once I had children, my wife and I have uh, three boys. Uh, once I had children, of course, reading and learning were a very important part of, of our family and part of them growing up. And, uh, and, and I read them stories. Right? I, I tried to be a good dad. Um, I would read them stories. Mom would read them stories. Uh, they, they always enjoyed the way I read the stories. I think I, you know, I would do voices for the, the different characters. Um, I'd maybe change the pace a little bit. We kind of had fun with the stories. And then, then I got a little tired of the same stories. They'd always ask for the, the same book. Right? There was, each of my sons had their favorite book. And as a parent, after about the 20th time of reading certain books, I thought, well, let me tell them a story. So I started making up stories. And, uh, and the first character I made up for them, uh, my wife still, still reminds me of today, it was a little guy called Squeaky Squirrel. And so I'd tell them little adventures of Squeaky Squirrel. And, you know, there was, when they were little, it was silly things like, you know, Squeaky Squirrel ran up the tree and, and the, the birds were, you know, trying to take away his acorn. And so he wanted to hide his acorn. And from there, I would just make up the story. Um, well, that was, that was enjoyable. But then the, the boys started asking for me to, oh, tell the story about Squeaky Squirrel. Uh, tell, tell the one where the, where the robin took his acorn. And I'll tell you, Adam. I couldn't remember what I had said because I had just made it up. And, and the boys would keep me honest. They would say, no, no, that's not what happened. You said this happened. So uh, as, as a new dad, I, was, I enjoyed telling them the stories, but I also realized that, oh, they're listening. They're paying attention. Uh, these, these, these characters, whether it's a little squirrel or a, or a bird or maybe a duck, they were retaining them, and they started to repeat back to me uh, some of the things I had, you know, some of the characteristics about them. And and that went on for a few years. After a while, my wife said, you know, you should write those stories down. And it seemed obvious. Um, and I just I kind of set it aside. I was busy. I was working. I was traveling overseas. And on one trip back from Asia, uh, one business trip back from Asia, a long trip, I decided, well, let me start to write some of these stories down. So I had a little notebook and I, I started to write stories. And, and the character I chose was a little pelican. Uh, on the, we'd go to the beaches of, of Texas and I wrote a story about a little pelican named Rocco and, and started to write that down. Then I'd tell the boys and, and then I'd write another little story and, and I'd tell it to the boys. And, and from there, I just had this notebook full of stories. And that's, that's how, how I got into, you know, the writing and, and, you know, telling the stories and then finding that you know, there was, there was kind of a natural fit between my interest in writing and telling stories and the, my children and, and some of the, some of the lessons, some of the stories, some of, some of what interested them. Gotcha. That's awesome. I love that. How it morphed into that. Um, those ideas from your wife telling you to, you know, write things down and stuff like that. Yeah. It was really, when I first started doing it, I, I really had no intention of, of publishing them. It was more of they, what do they say in, you know, the necessity is the mother of invention mm-hmm. or something. The necessity was my boys were calling me out if I, if I got the story wrong from the first few times I told it. 
So, oh, that's like, funny. So, so I thought, well, I need to write them down so uh, so I get the story right. That's, it kind of so, reminds me. Um, I have this Christmas book that I read my kids every year, even now, <laughs> as old old as yeah. they are. But when they're young, I would uh, I would skip a paragraph. But they know that I skipped a paragraph. Like, Dad, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah they're all right. Isn't, isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know just what you're talking about. You, you, you might be uh, in a hurry to to get something done, and but they're going to keep you honest. You, <laughs> they do. You can't skip anything. You, you have you have to read the story. Yeah, they want dad yeah, time. That's, that's awesome. That's funny. So, Carl, it states in your bio that you and your family. You kind of hit on this. Uh, you and your family like to read together, and it's very important to both of you. So, what were some of the books you guys enjoyed? Good question. I'm gonna have to think back. You know, Good Night Moon, uh, kind of kind of a children's classic, but they always liked Good Night Moon. Uh, mm. Fairly simple. Okay. Um, they enjoyed uh, Johnny Crow's Garden. Um, it's uh, and we have actually have a, a copy of it uh, that we've kept. The pages are tattered. Uh-huh. Um, we've given away quite a few of our books, but but they enjoyed uh, Johnny Crow's Garden. Um, if you give a mouse a cookie, uh, was a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, I read that one quite a bit. Let me see what are some of the other ones. Uh, Skippy John Jones uh, was pretty good. But yeah, that's awesome, uh, and I'm sure they remember those uh, a lot more than than actually you remember because it's the time with dad and the reading time. Did they enjoy those times together? Oh, they did. Yes, they did. And um, I, I I won't say we never had trouble getting the boys to sleep. Uh, you know, they were. Three rambunctious boys. They're about eight years apart, uh, from the the oldest to the youngest. Mm. And uh, and but you know, so we had some some challenges. But um, you know, when we got into the routines, right? You know, time to to take a bath, brush your teeth. Um, now it's time to read stories. Um, they they you know they would move through those pretty quickly because uh, they they enjoyed. I think they enjoyed reading the stories with me. Oh, good. Okay. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, because I, yeah. I think it helps them with their imagination and it helps them read as well. Retain, yeah, it does. listen, you know. Yes, yes, it does. Um, I remember another one. Uh, sorry, jump around. Uh, Mr. Pine's Purple House. Mm. Um, they, they loved Mr. Pine's Purple House. And uh, and sometimes I would change things up and uh, and say, you know, Mr. Pine's Orange House. And I'd go and they'd say, no, 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 it's purple. <laughs> and then you know, each time that it came up, I'd say, his orange house. And, uh, yeah, and, and then they became curious to, you know, the words on the page. And as they learned them in school, you know, reading, mm-hmm. they would look and they could point and say, nope, it says purple right here. And so, yeah, there, there, there was that engagement that right? you can with reading to children. Um, you know, you can engage them. It, you know, it's, it's for me, you know, it's father son time, right. um, but certainly mother daughter, you know, parent child time. You know, they learn, they retain uh, the importance of listening. And, uh, and, you know, and, and a certain sense of discovery as well, you know, yes. as we turn the pages, right? There was something, you know, new on the next page, which is, uh, you know, a whole, a whole nother, uh, kind of area around, you know, children's books, children's stories, the retention, uh, the, the, the pictures, you know, the illustrations also play an important part right. in that. And in, in a well written, but a well illustrated book uh, can really bring both of those together. So they, there, there's the words that they hear, um, and then there's the pictures that they see that they can associate mm-hmm. with the words in the story. Yeah, so. that's true. And I, like I said, I think the most important thing with kids is 
that special time with a parent reading or both parents. I think that's yeah. That speaks volume. It's not just learning how to read your imagination and all that stuff, but it's just time because a lot of a lot of parents are busy nowadays and unfortunate that kids have to experience, you know, lack of time with their their family or their parents. But reading time is so important. So important on many levels. I agree. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Adam. Yeah, definitely. You also mentioned uh, that reading reinforces morals and values. What specifically were the most important for your sons to adhere to? And what books could they glean from for those traits? Wow. Um, some of the titles I can't remember. So in uh, you know, different books, um, you know, some can just be you know, an enjoyable story that may not necessarily have a lesson in them. Um, and while we had those, there were certainly others that, that they did have lessons. I think, you know, if I think, if, if I go back to, you know, to Johnny Crow's garden, um, it was a story about Johnny Crow. He had a, he had a little garden that he would dig in. So, and different characters came around and he met those characters. Um, there was, you know, a bear and a, and a, and a heron. And I think there was a beaver, um, in the story. And, and to me, it's kind of what they learned there is, you know, there, there's differences among, you know, this you know, differences among people. And in those cases, there were differences among the animals. And, and Johnny Crow, he had a task to complete. And by the end of the story, even though some of the characters interrupted him, he was still able to complete that task. Mm. And and I don't know if, if I would, you know, guess I'll try to think of, uh, you know, virtue or, you know, or moral character um, that, that applies to. But I think, you know, some... I think through the story, there's certainly, you know, a, an, an element of integrity right. um, for the characters. There, there's an element of, of kindness and compassion. The different characters came in and out through the story. He, uh, you know, he would share information with them. Um, and then it was just, you know, it, it was a, it was an element of, um, what's the word I want here? Maybe, maybe self-control mm. where, again, he, he stuck to the task and was able to complete it by the end of the story. Gotcha. That's um, good. So, yep. That that's one that would come from from that okay. story. That's good. Yep. You have a degree in English literature, which explains you being an author. But it also states that you have a degree in zoology. Can you kind of tell us about that? Because it's definitely something that you're not practicing now, right? It was a uh, an interesting combination, and I have been asked about it because <laughs> it is a little bit unusual. Um, but like like many things and you know where we end up in our lives it's sort of uh, there's a story behind it so mm -hmm. back to i was i went to college at idaho state university and i was talking to some professors about that as where do i go where do i go and the professor who had encouraged me to go into uh, actually to go into graduate school so I, he encouraged me to to go ahead and finish up my undergraduate degree in zoology so i had that science and he gave me some excellent advice that was right on uh, so this was uh, back in the late 80s he said as technology expands as the uh, you know as the world becomes more reliant on information and documentation and science and technology he said there will be a, a need for technical writers uh, science writers science you know people who can put together science documents and so that was his his selling point to me to say I've got the the, the science degree he noticed some talent in writing, and he suggested that I continue on, and he could get me into graduate school. And so that was that was a very important turning point in my life, and and I certainly uh, still thank you know, the professor, you know, to this day. I mean, you know, in my heart and soul, 
that he gave me that great advice. I was able to stay in Pocatello, finish my, my English, my graduate studies in English. And then my job out of college was that, that, uh, that uh, technical writer, the science writer for the pharmaceutical industry. And so pulled both of them together with my understanding of science, my understanding of, of paragraphs and sentences and commas and apostrophes, and, and was able to pursue that for several years. Gotcha. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, like you said, a lot of us study certain things in college or in school or a trade and you end up doing something else. But English literature, you definitely honed in on that and took advantage of that. And I think that's awesome. And because it's, you're right, it's needed. It's totally needed. Especially yeah, yeah he, he called that. It's, you know, he, he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, especially children's books. <laughs> I visited your website, which uh, you can visit using the link in the description of this podcast. Um, you've written a few books, two of them called Rocco and the Lighthouse and Rocco Saves the Day. So tell us more about Rocco and how that came about. You kind of tapped on it a little bit um, earlier, but kind of elaborate on that more and how you uh, came out with these two books. Uh, yes, uh, happy to do that. We lived in Texas for about 17 years in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. In fact, all three of my sons were born while we were living in Dallas. And we were fortunate enough, my wife's parents, uh, very wonderful people, uh, my wife's parents had a, a house, a, a beach house, if you will. It wasn't an elaborate mansion down on the Gulf Coast of Texas. Um, well, the Gulf of Mexico so on the Texas coast. And we would go down there during you know, summer, summertime, during spring break, and it was it was a, a wonderful setup. There was the the little road that ran out south of Galveston. It was just a, a two lane road, you know, one lane in each direction. And you get out of town, and there was beach houses, and it was a small strip of of basically a, a, a glorified sandbar on the Texas coast. And from the the beach house, you could walk across some wooden little wooden sidewalk planks over a berm of of salt grass and onto the beach, and we would spend we spent a lot of time at the beach and back to the the stories that i would tell the kids uh, each day we'd go out and we'd go you know collecting hermit crabs or flying kites or uh, they they'd put their little boogie boards their skim boards uh, on in the water and, and slide on them and the the water was safe enough and not not very deep we could go out and do a little swimming as well and each day we'd come back and i would again i'd make up some stories and i and i got to where I would talk about the, the various animals we'd see, you know, seagulls and little crabs and, and some fish. And the, the, one of the more, more prominent birds on the coast were the pelicans. And there were pelicans all over. Kids really enjoyed seeing them drop out of the air and splash down onto the water and, and grab a fish. And they just thought that was super interesting. That's so, awesome. again, it evolved over, a, a, you know, a few few trips, several trips. And I started telling them these stories, and then I created the character of Rocco. And and these were some of the first stories that I wrote down were Rocco the Pelican and his friend, his seagull friend Chipper, his his sister Lucy, um, and their little their little crab friend who was uh, Digger. Um, and then Digger, I gave Digger an uncle, Uncle Jibs, um, who was you know a, a silly little character as well. And so that's. That's really the, the genesis of the, the Rocco the Pelican. And, and I've published two books, as you've mentioned, uh, the first being Rocco in the Lighthouse. And then the most recent, 
just earlier this year, Rocco Saves the Day. Mm -hmm. And those are the first two that I've published. And I also should should call out the uh, the illustrator, who's uh, Casey Post, who's yes. just done an absolute wonderful job on the illustrations. I agree. Very good. Very good illustration. Story yeah, here. she totally um, um, brings out the illustration. What you're saying in the books, she really puts it to life. And I love that. Yeah, very happy with that. In addition to those two books, I've written several other Rocco adventures. They're in my notebooks, though. I haven't haven't turned those into Word documents with uh, illustrations to go to a publisher. So in the works, hopefully over the next year or so, I'll be able to get a few more of those out of the notebook and into published books. Wow, that's awesome. I look forward to seeing those. So when Rocco saves a day... I love how uh, Rocco's mom responds to his struggles with fishing because the water hurts his eyes. But his mother gives him great advice to never give up just because something isn't easy. So what other morals and values are you trying to teach in your Rocco books? So great question, Adam. And each of the books has its own unique theme. But two of the common themes that I've woven through my Rocco books are the themes of, of persistence. And doing the right thing isn't easy, but it will pay off in the end. And th those are the common themes. In each book in particular, in Rocco Saves the Day, in addition to that theme, um, there, there's an antagonist in there. There's uh, Biko, who's kind of the, sort of the mean, ornery kid in class. And, you know, he thinks he's great. He thinks he's, he's going to be, you know, the, the pelican who can fish the best. And he, he's says mean things to the other kids. And, and when Rocco's sister, Lucy, helps him with the goggles um, that help keep the, the salt water out of his eyes, mm -hmm. Biko makes a little fun of him when he sees him with the goggles on his yes. face. And, and so Biko runs away from that. And so through the end of the book, I, I bring out two more uh, lessons in there, kind of two, two more virtues, if you will. Um, there's the virtue of forgiveness, where... There's a point where he needs to help Biko, who's mean to him, mm -hmm. and and Rocco's sister helps him understand that you know, don't hold a grudge, you know forgiveness is good, and then there's there's the message of of persistence, that yeah this was rough, you had a few stumbles, but hey look in the end, in your own way you've been successful, you've had you've found how to take a challenge and uh, resolve it and beat it. And that's so for Rocco Saves the Day, those are the key messages uh, that I want to come out. And again, with some very uh, colorful illustrations and with some hopefully, you know, captured, you know, some of the, the thoughts and, and feelings and perspectives from a child's view. Yeah. I love that you put um, forgiveness in there because nowadays, you know, with the world the way it is, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people could be nicer, um, but yeah. uh, it's very hard. I think that's one of the hardest things to do is to forgive. But uh, I love that you're putting that in your book so that kids can learn at an early age when someone's mean to you or kids mean to you, you forgive them, you work it out. But mostly you don't want to hold that bitterness or that resentment in your heart, but you want to let it go. And by doing that is forgiveness. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. So the other book, uh, the other book that you wrote, Carl, uh, the Royal Secret of Good King Clovis, correct? Yes. So, yes. Yeah. 
And this is a fairy tale about King Clovis. So, and I do like fairy tales. And the cover, I love the cover because I like castles. So this is right up my alley. This seems pretty exciting. So tell us uh, a little bit about this book and the concept behind it. King Clovis is a whole different series. It's a whole different perspective and a, a different focus than Rocco. While Rocco is targeted for younger children, the, the reading level is probably second to third grade. And I focused those, the, the Rocco books on even younger kids enjoying them. Your four, five, six-year-olds who might just like to look at the picture. Mm-hmm. King Clovis is another character who, who I've developed. And I do have the one King Clovis book published. I do have uh, several other uh, stories, installments. Again, need to get those work with my illustrator. I have a, a separate illustrator, um, an illustrator here in Eagle, Idaho, uh, who actually studied in New York. Mm-hmm. And working with him on the illustrations, and we've got a few more that also need to be, you know, brought into book form. But, but King Clovis, yeah, I enjoy castles. Uh, I've had a good fortune to travel into Europe oh, and so lucky. see some castles. So yeah, lucky. it's uh, well, it was. It, I had the right job that, that got me over there. So huh. it's uh, it just you know, it was it was luck. So that's um, great. Saw some some great cities, some great castles, and I've always enjoyed. Uh, you know, medieval times, the, mm-hmm. the knights and the horses and, and the pageantry of that. And so I came up with these the two characters that I've, I've built these stories on. So good King Clovis. So he, he's a good king. He's a benevolent leader. He's tough, but he's fair and he's not corrupt. He wants the best for all of his citizens. And and so that's that's the core, really a father figure. A father figure in his kingdom who takes seriously his his job to take care of his kingdom. He, he's not there to to live off of the the spoils and the riches and the largesse of his kingdom. He he's there to to provide safety and you know and shelter um, and a good life for his his citizens. And then I've created uh, some children, and in the first book. Uh, one of the, the children that we see is is a young boy named Pepin. And Pepin is, is a very curious, adventuresome boy. And he's, you know, it's the royal secret of good King Clovis. Pepin is, through his cleverness and a little bit of fortune, he discovers what the king's secret is and and is able to you know, reap some rewards at, at the end of the story. Um, there's some other children uh, in, in the King Clovis series that are coming out. And... And they represent other characteristics of, you know, there's a young girl that we'll see, Ruth. Uh, she, she represents uh, honesty and faithfulness and, and trust in others and, and the hope that the life will be good if we do the right things. Um, and then a young boy, uh, Jameis, whose, uh, whose family farms and, and has fruit trees, and he shows the value of, of hard work and doing things for others and helping others. And and in, it's not in this particular good King Clovis story, but we'll see Jameis is is very helpful and he'll he'll never say no if anyone needs his assistance or needs something from him. And and with with this series, you know, a fairy tale but more of a a, a you know, 1600s, 1700s with the castles and and uh, you know, and, and the various characters that come out in there, oh, you know, want to be able to show there's mm-hmm. a little older audience than Rocco. Right. Um, and some of those, how do we get along with others? Uh, there's because in in the court, uh, in the king's court, 
there's musicians and nobles and bring their own perspective uh, to the king and how they think that decisions should be made for the uh, for the citizens, for the kingdom. The kingdom is called Saxony Glen, is the name I gave it. And and they each and some of them are power hungry and they, they want to you know they want things done their way. You know, others uh, are, are a little more, you know, they follow the lead of King Clovis and they see that, you know, that uh, being altruistic and making decisions that don't just benefit them are, are generally the better way to go. Wow. That sounds so good. I love that. Within this book, I love to hear the, the morals and the values that you have for teaching even older, older audience. Yep, Adam, and, and, and times change, and I think it, as, I, as I've listened to some of your podcasts, I've enjoyed them very much, you, you touch on you know, the world that we're in and the various challenges that we face, whether you know, as a parent, as, as a citizen, um, you know, as a family member or a friend. And what I think is interesting is some of those really haven't changed over time, True. right? You know, castles have turned into mansions, mm-hmm. you know, um, we, we have technology, right? Horse-drawn carts have turned into electric vehicles. Uh, you know, just, just the technology and everything that we seem so much more advanced. But I think some of the challenges that face, uh, you know, children uh, and, and young adults as they go into high school, and even, even us adults who are quite a few years out of high school, um, I think some of those challenges haven't changed over time. That's true. And it's a different setting, but it's the same the same interactions between people. And that, that's what I'm trying to, to bring out in these stories is, is how, do we, how do we address some of those with our core values mm-hmm. and with the challenges that we'll face in life. Yeah, that's so true. I love that. For some, that might be difficult to bring that out in books. Some people just want to write a book and just not care what it, uh, if it helps people to be better people. But it takes a, a really good author to add that in their books to help people be better people, to live better, you know, to think better, be positive, right? Yeah, so, it is. It's easy to be difficult. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be negative. Yes. Um, sometimes it takes a little work to be positive. Yes. But I think if it's part of your character, then it's not that difficult to be positive. Right. It's, it's uh, all training your mind, right? Because I used to be negative. Yes. I told it used to be yep. negative, and uh, you know my mind has been transformed. I'm a new person, and I'm not who I was before. So I'm not perfect, yeah. but I definitely yeah. don't talk as you know the negative as much as I used to. I'm a lot more positive and just thinking positive. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, I think sometimes. So if if you and I wanted to you know to write a book about being positive, I think you know it, it would take some some work to structure that and put the message in. If we wanted to write a book on how to be mean, we could probably knock that out in a few hours. Oh, right? um, several chapters in just <laughs> a half hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that so sad? But uh, It is. You know, it it's is. just like working out. Um, it takes time and effort and discipline to work out, have that condition and that you know, mentality, self-discipline to eat better. And it's easy just to sit on the couch with a bag of chips. Absolutely. Yeah, you are so right. It is. If you want to be a good person, that takes work. If you want to work out and yeah. be fit, that takes work. Be healthy, takes work. So that's yep. awesome. I'd love to hear that. Um, real quick, can you, I think you've uh, touched base, Carl. Is What are some of your future projects? 
or do you have well any? i was afraid i was afraid you'd ask that and then uh, <laughs> in my answer i do some self-reflection in terms of have, have i bitten off too much mm-hmm. um i've been i feel like i've been cursed a little bit I, I am one of those people who get ideas you know i get ideas at three o'clock in the morning yes. i get you know, ideas driving to work i get ideas in the shower mm-hmm. i get ideas just talking with you tonight adam i've got a few more ideas mm-hmm. oh hey i can i can develop this so um i've got i would say i've got uh i've got really fourth four different um um, projects, if you will, that, that I've got in place. Um, I've got the, the core are the Rocco books. Um, I've got, like I said, Rocco in the Lighthouse, Rocco Saves the Day. The next one we're working on is, is Rocco in the School Fair. Um, another story with uh, really his sister Lucy is a little more prominent in that story, um, where she also, you know, with her positive attitude, she learns to, to get, overcome some diversity and, and make things, make good things happen. In that story, and, and I've got several other Rocco stories that are in that notebook, and will take a few more years to right. to work with with my illustrator Casey and to get those out. Gotcha. Uh, for King Clovis, uh, I I do have I've got a a, a Christmas themed uh, story. Um, the the three wise men, if you will, um, come into the Saxony Glen one night, and the children come upon them, and there's some some messages of you know faith, love, and hope. Uh, that come out of that. So that's when I'm really, really pushing hard uh, to try to get uh, complete uh, for the market going into Christmas. And I think it's got a good message and it, it develops the characters a little more. And then two other projects I have is some, I, I write, I've also got a couple of just silly little books, Adam, that really don't have any message in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one, it's, it's Peebo Pockets. And so it's for little kids and it's just supposed to make him laugh. It's a it's a boy who has a coat and pants with all these pockets in them, and That's in about awesome. fifteen or twenty pages, you you find out the funny things he has in his pockets. That's so awesome. It's, it's just it's just kind of silly. So I have a few of those silly ones, and then um, I've also written a couple of screenplays that I'm putting the finishing touches on, and th- those are uh, a lot more work than I thought they would be. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But that that's a whole different different mindset uh, to go down uh, the the path of of trying to develop characters, get dialogue and settings, and put those into a screenplay. That's awesome. I love to hear that. Now, now I understand that you know some things may stick. You have ideas. I have ideas. Yeah. There's people out there who have ideas, yeah. and I'm not going to you know put that pressure on. Hey. Um, yep. I expect all these. I'm looking forward to all your, our listeners are looking forward to all this. I understand things change, um, but I wish you the best on that. And I, I know that's something that you said will stick and you'll run with it. If it's all of them, great. If it's some, one, that's awesome. So just keep at it. I love that because you yep. like you did with your uh, books right now. You moved, you did something, you made it happen. And that's why we're here today discussing your, your progress, your books and your future. Well, thank you. And, and I think the challenge for me is to, to stay focused and, and get something across the goal line, uh, which is also uh, another virtue is to be able to finish what you started. So yes, I'm not, you know, we all, we all have something we need to work on, right? No, right. no one's perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm far from perfect. Huh, me, um, I get but, you. Uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Okay. <laughs> so lastly, this is for 
Yeah, about 60 seconds. If you can just answer this. This is a cool quote. I don't have the um, author of the quote. It's unknown, but I love it. Um, Reading is dreaming with open eyes. As an author, can you describe what that means to you? Uh, what, What it brings to my mind is... I'll reverse it. So when we dream, mm-hmm. right, many dreams and dreams come in all shapes and forms. And oftentimes dreams are are adventuresome. Yes. Uh, dreams have characters that show up in them that that maybe aren't anyone you know, and and dreams present to us situations. Uh, sometimes there's happy dreams. Sometimes there's frightening dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's dreams you wake up and you wonder what. You know, what does this mean? You know, why would I dream that? Mm. Um, why would I dream I was driving my car too close to a cliff? Right? Mm. What, you know, what's going on there? And I'm, I'm trying to turn the wheel so I don't go off the cliff. And so if, if those are the, the themes you know, that we experience in our dreams, well, if, if reading, you know, is, is dreaming with open eyes, then the same thing when we open a book, and we read it, right? We're discovering, we're, we're running across characters. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes what those characters do and say make sense to us. Um, sometimes those characters, they they don't make sense to us. Uh, the, the author has, you know, a, a great author will put in into his characters flaws. And, and we may not see those flaws on page 10 or 20, but by the time we get to page 200 or 300, you know, we might see how those flaws manifest themselves. True. And and that's where I see uh, my responsibility. If I take it back to my responsibility as an author, is is to be conscious of that and make sure that my my characters are well developed and that the story flows from beginning to end. And and if I've got a, if I've got a message in a, a perseverance or a message, uh, you know, a, a virtue you know, to learn confidence or discovery or how to be kind and compassionate that, that I've, I've built that into the book. So when the, when the reader is reading through it, it's, it's like working through a dream. They're they're not sure where it goes, but they're pretty happy when they get to the end of it. Right. I love that. See, that's kind of what I was thinking, but you totally um, elaborated on it more and I love it as an author. So, because you do have that vision and that creativity already. So I thought I knew you could make this uh, quote mean something to their, our listeners and give them some ideas. I love that. Really good. Well, thank you. I, I, yeah, I hadn't, I'd never heard that quote before. Adam. That's, that's, I, I like it. Well, Carl, um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure having you. I love what you had to share. And I know that our listeners will love what you had to share as well. And I know that if there's authors listening or people thinking about being an author, I think hopefully this will uh, kick them in gear, get them motivated to start pinning something, start somewhere. I hope it uh, resonates with them and helps them in any way, short or form. So thank you so much today for your time, Carl. My pleasure, Adam. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to Champ 180 Podcast. Remember to champ up and champ on. For more information on Carl's work, you can visit him at cpollockcreative.com Thank you so much for listening to the Champ 180 Podcast. I really appreciate your time and tuning in. Again, this is Adam Childress, but I'd like to leave you with a few things to uh, live by daily. That is be thankful, be kind, believe in yourself, never give up, 
help others, cherish family and friends, do your best, listen with your heart, laugh often, and love lots. Until next time, God bless.